Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, called The Baptism of the King. It says the next day, John 1, he saw Jesus coming to him, and what did he say? Behold, famously, the Lamb of God, this is the purpose, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on, on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who is, has a higher rank than I. He existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John, John testified, I've seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. And so Jesus' mission as he approaches the Jordan is clear. The Lamb of God who takes away your sin and my sin. Back to Matthew, if you would. And so Jesus has come to the Jordan. He has come for baptism. And he came to John. And when he came, John knew who he was. John didn't know everything about him, but he knew who he was. And John, Matthew 3.14, tried to prevent Jesus. And he said, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Now, we do baptisms fairly regularly here at Living Truth, and here's what we do. We say, hey, if you want to be baptized, you've never been baptized, you should be baptized in honor of the Great Commission. Call the church office and talk to Pastor John. Can you imagine this phone call? Uh, I'm calling about baptism today. Uh, can I have your name? Yeah, I'd like to talk to Pastor John. My name is Jesus. Oh, how long have you been coming to Living Truth? Uh, well, I am Living Truth, but that's a, a different. Can I talk to him? Yeah. So Pastor John gets on the phone. So you'd like to be baptized. Tell me a little bit about you. Well, I'm Jesus uh, of Nazareth. Uh, <laughs> God, can you imagine? I'd like to set up the baptism. I mean, that'd be a little bit intimidating. Or let's say that we were doing baptisms here and Jesus walked down the center aisle and said, baptize me. And we knew who he was. It'd be a bit intimidating. It would seem weird. Why would I ever baptize you? You need to baptize me. And John had made a distinction between his baptism in Matthew 3.11 and Jesus's. Take a look. As for me, Matthew 3.11, I baptized you with water for repentance but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I'm not fit to remove his sandals. We might say I'm not fit to untie his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Maybe John is saying something like this. I need the baptism that you offer. I am baptizing in water for repentance to prepare the nation. But you are bringing a spirit baptism which I need desperately. Amen. We all do. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We did a men's breakfast yesterday. Brother Sherman spoke to us. And he was speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We cannot do this without God's power. And so there's Jesus. Uh, Matthew's gospel is the only gospel that records this conversation between John and Jesus. And John was saying, you know, I don't think this should happen. And Jesus was saying, no. You're going to baptize me. This is why I came. 
I've come to be part of the people's experience, to come and identify with them. And Jesus said to him, permit it, verse 15, at this time, you could say it this way, now this is how things should be, for it is fitting, or in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he permitted him. The word righteousness in verse 15 is a word which means what is required, what ought to be done, what is right and true. It also indicates the behavior expected in the people of God. Jesus will say in chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And this has become somewhat of a mystery in the minds of many who dive into scripture. What is actually going on here? And what does Jesus mean to fulfill all righteousness? Well, Jesus said I, in Matthew 5, 17, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so this is something that we need to understand that Jesus came on a mission of fulfillment He came to do for us what we have failed to do. He came to fulfill the law. When Israel made that covenant at Mount Sinai, they said, everything that you say that God has said through you, Moses, we will do. And the blood was sprinkled on the people, but they did not keep that covenant. They failed. They did not fulfill their word. And I would submit to you that This is a room full of people who have had similar experiences. As much as we have good intentions, as much as we, you know, see the truth and we want to live the truth, we failed probably more times than we'd like to admit. Some of us have had decades where we're in total rebellion to God. And even as believers, we know we don't always hit the mark. And sometimes we just simply transgress. We know better and we still do the wrong thing. We are not perfectly righteous. And if we stand before God in our own righteousness on that day, on the day of judgment, how do you think your righteousness will measure up? Isaiah 64, or in the book of Isaiah, tells us clearly our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. We just haven't hit the mark. We fall short of his holiness. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. Jesus has come in God's divine plan to fulfill where we have failed. And this was the right moment for him to identify with us in the waters of baptism. Let's face it, to get baptized takes, it's a step of humility. To get into a tub of water, to some of you to go out into an ocean or a swimming pool and to be dunked in water before a group of people. And essentially what you're saying is I need Jesus and I'm going to publicly profess that I'm a sinner saved by grace and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. That's an act of humility. That, that's a step. In the early church, in fact, it was the step in my understanding of church history that identified you with the people of God was your baptism. It was the time when you gave your main public testimony was at a baptism, not necessarily at an altar call in the early church, but at a baptism. It was a way that you identified with Christ and his people. And if you flip it around, this is what Jesus is doing. He's identifying with God's people. He's identifying with John. He's affirming John's baptism, but 
he's also affirming his solidarity, not only with John, but with us. Isaiah 53, 11 puts it this way. My servant will justify the many. He shall make many to be accounted as righteous because he will bear their iniquities. Isaiah 53, 11. Moses went out to his people, Hebrews eleven twenty five. He left the treasures of Egypt to be identified with the people of God. Why? Because that was his call. And Jesus is the greater Moses and he goes out to us at the waters of baptism where everybody is confessing that they've fallen short of the glory of God and he identifies with the people. He basically says, I love you and I've come for you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through baptism myself, not because I need it, not because I need to repent of anything, but because I want you to know that I'm with you. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I've come on a saving mission to live the perfect life that you could never live. Spurgeon puts it this way, baptism beautifully set forth our Lord's immersion in our suffering. His burial and resurrection show the triumph of our great God. Jesus entered into our pain. That's why he's at those waters. He doesn't need to repent of anything. He was without sin. He was perfect. Yet he condescends. He became a baby like one of us. He was an adolescent like us. He went through the... uh, humanity like us, and he goes into the water of baptism like us. And I gave you the Exodus picture as well, that he follows those fallen footsteps, etc. He's come to identify with his people. He loves us. One of the great ways that we can live as believers is to enter into people's pain. We can stand with them through thick and thin. We, we need to do just that and be like Christ. And after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water, verse 16. And behold, the heavens were opened. And he, I think that's John here, saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. Now, after Jesus was baptized, and I'm assuming that he went fully immersed into the water, he came up out of the water, and all of a sudden, the word behold is like, look, the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God descended as a dove and came upon him. The heavens being opened is a beautiful picture of heaven's heart towards us. You know, heaven is open to you. The heavens have opened to you in the coming of Christ. Sometimes people say, is there a God? And if there's a God, why doesn't he speak? Why doesn't he come down and say something? Why doesn't he open up the heavens and spoke? Oh, he has. God became one of us. There was an old song that said, what if God were one of us? Not a very reverent song, but I think that's what they were after. And the truth of the matter is that God did become one of us in the person of Christ. He dwelt among us. Heaven came down. And he didn't come down just to correct us, although he did speak truth. He came down to die for us, to identify with us. This is our God. In Luke's gospel, it says that after Jesus was baptized, it says while he was praying, Luke 3.21, if you're taking notes, heaven was open. If you wondered what Jesus was doing at that moment, Luke gives us the additional insight that when he came up out of the water, he was praying and the heavens were open. 
on an application point, can I submit to you that if we want to see the heavens opened more, we ought to pray more. Amen? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. There was an old song that said, What if God were one of us? Not a very reverent song. But I, but I think that's what they were after. And the, the truth of that, the matter is that God did become one of us in the person of Christ. He dwelt among us. Heaven came down. And he didn't come down just to correct us, although he did speak truth. He came down to die for us, to identify with us. This is our God. In Luke's gospel, it says that after Jesus was baptized, it says, while he was praying, Luke 3.21, if you're taking notes, heaven was open. If you wondered what Jesus was doing at that moment, Luke gives us the additional insight that when he came up out of the water, he was praying and the heavens were opened. On an application point, can I submit to you that if we want to see the heavens opened more, we ought to pray more. Amen? Amen. If we want to see the heavens open to us, we should be people of prayer. And I know that could be a struggle for all of us, but here's something that I would suggest. Take a look at your prayer priorities during the week. If you were to submit your prayer list to God at the end of this next week, what would your prayers look like? Are you praying that the heavens would open, that people would hear the truth of the gospel? Are your prayers God-glorifying and others-centered? Or would your list be, I want, I need, you should, if only? What would your prayer list look like? Sometimes we, we're like, why, why isn't revival coming to the land? You guys know that prayer meetings are the smallest attended services that churches do. We usually get about less than 1% of the people to show up at prayer meetings. But prayer meetings are full when buildings fall. Prayer meetings are full on the eve of elections. And apparently our prayers have not been too effective (laughs) in the latest elections. And it's made me ask some questions about, okay, so what do we get urgent about? Uh, You guys saw uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin and what happened in that football game. And that's been wonderfully refreshing, I have to say. I watched the press conference with uh, Coach Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, their quarterback. And I tell you, I was refreshed. 
Sean McDermott said, I'm a Christian man and I'm not ashamed of it. There were people praying and uh, an ESPN newscaster on air bowing his head in prayer. You know, all of a sudden, what, what happened is prayer became in again. And I think it's a good thing that everybody was praying for this young man and God's grace has been on the situation and thankfully he is improving rapidly and that's awesome. And he seems to be a believing young man as well. But there's a bigger picture here and, that, and it's this. I believe God is exploiting this so that our country might realize that we were founded on Christian values and we need to stop being ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Amen? So... Would to God that, you know, this would be a a nice wake-up call for us as a nation. Well, there's Jesus at the waters of baptism and the heavens open. Oh, that you would open the heavens and come down. Isaiah 64, verse 1. You know, Jesus' whole life show, show us, his whole life shows us what God really wants. A heart in love with him, a heart that comes to serve others. The only other time I I have found uh, the heavens were opened uh, in this exact language is in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 1.1, if you're taking notes, reads this way. It came about in the 30th year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, uh, Ezekiel says, while I was by the river Kibar among the exiles, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. In Ezekiel 2.2, Ezekiel the prophet will say, and I receive the Spirit of God. So that's the only other phrase, and it's an interesting connection. And Ezekiel is called the Son of Man over and over again in his book. Jesus is the greater Son of Man. He's the greater Moses. He's the greater David. I think we, we've all learned that, and we're studying that in the book of Hebrews. Luke 3.22 puts it this way. The Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. The heavens open and God's heart was revealed. This is my son. This is the one I love. And if I can add to that, I'm giving him for you. It is the father that so loved the world that he gave his son. Don't forget that. Jesus was on a rescue mission and the heavens opened. That same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus It wasn't his first experience with the Holy Spirit. We know it was the Holy Spirit who would overshadow Mary and the child would be the product of the power of God, namely the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew the Holy Spirit's power prior to his baptism, no doubt. When he's 12, he's going back and forth with the religious leadership and he has great wisdom. This isn't his first experience with the Holy Spirit. So what is happening here? Well, he's being identified by heaven. And heaven is saying, this is the one. It is the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son, and the Herald, John, all bearing witness in in history past that the Messiah is God the Son. Emphatically. It can't get any more radical with the heavens open and the voice of the Father. That only happens like three times in the Gospels. And one of them is at his baptism. And I hope you can see that all three members of the Trinity are there. The Father speaking from heaven, the Son being baptized, and the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. All three members of the Holy Trinity. Is the Trinity confusing? Yes. 
Do I fully grasp all its angles? No. Does the Bible teach it? Yes. Jesus is not throwing his voice like a ventriloquist up into the heavens. You are, let me turn around for a second. You are my beloved. No, 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 no. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Spirit is not the Son of the Father. Three in one, one in three, the nature of our God. You say, I don't understand it. Put it up on a chalkboard. Don't show me no Trinitarian triangle. Come on. It's a, it's a bit of a mystery, but let me just say this. Do you know how God spoke the universe into existence? Do you know how God holds it together by the word of his power right now? He's God. If he wants to be three and one and one and three, then that's who he is. And all three members of the Trinity are there. And Jesus would later send that same Holy Spirit upon his church in Acts chapter 2. And there would be tongues of fire and there was a visual manifestation and a sound manifestation and they were empowered. And he said, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send the helper and he's going to come down like a dove and he's going to be your helper, your counselor. Maybe that's part of what the dove symbol means. He'll be gentle with you, but he'll give you the power that you need and he'll hover over you and come into you and empower you. In the early church, what was the the result of that, it was power and boldness and fruits and love and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Amen? The same gift of the Holy Spirit comes to us so that we can go out into our wildernesses and face our temptations and have the power of God. That's how good our God is. He gives the gift of the Holy Spirit to us as well. You've been listening to The Baptism of the King, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We would also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teachings today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, in the Christian church, there's some different views of baptism and some uh, denominations, even within the evangelical church, baptize infants. If you grew up Catholic, you're probably baptized as an infant, maybe even Lutheran. And then there's such a thing as believer's baptism. That is, churches believe that the, the book of Acts and the Bible teaches that you wait until you can make a informed decision. You're old enough whether you're eight or, you know, 18 or 28. And it's in response to a receiving of the gospel of Jesus Christ, receiving the Lord into your life. And some people wonder, well, when does the Holy Spirit come into my life? Because the Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism. So is there some significance to that? Well, in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it tells us that when we believe we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, So when we truly come to Jesus, we're sealed with the Spirit. And that's the moment that we are born again from above. The water doesn't save us. But I will say this, the water of baptism is a beautiful emblem 
of our identification with Christ, his death when we go under the water, his burial, when we come up out of the water, we're identifying with the resurrection. And think about it this way, that we're identifying with the gospel, the good news of Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, showing that we're in him. The water could also speak of the cleansing from our sin. The water doesn't save, Jesus saves. But God can touch you in a special way when you're baptized. And he can obviously do whatever he wants to do. But the moment of salvation is when you repent and receive Jesus by faith. Your baptism is an important first step of obedience. And I would encourage you that if you haven't been baptized, get baptized if you have uh, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as King and Lord of your life. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We're going to do the baptism of the King tomorrow as well. And we'll see you right here, Lord willing. We've been telling you about a number you can call if you need prayer or to talk to a pastor, 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in chapter 3, 13 through 17, called The Baptism of the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.